Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is, and a good morning to you. Thank you so very much for getting your day and your week started with us right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Big week, indeed, in front of us. The Democrats are going to be debating tomorrow, and for the first time, yeah, Mike Bloomberg is going to be on the stage answering questions and actually discussing and debating ideas, all of them bad, whether they're his or Bernie's or anybody else's. They're all bad. But they're going to discuss and debate their ideas. He has been able to buy hundreds of millions of dollars worth of ads thus far on television to suddenly thrust himself into one of the top two positions in national polling for the Democratic nomination. He uh, he has not been in one primary or caucus. He has not been in one debate. He's just bought his way with positive messages about him and Democratic hero St. Barack of Obama um, into uh, he's been able to parlay that into a wonderful polling position right now. But now he's going to actually have to stand up and answer for his own past rhetoric. And we're going to talk about that today. It's going to be a big, big day and a big, big week right here on AM 1420, The Answer. So when we say start this week, of course, we had a uh, best of show tomorrow. Or excuse me, best of show yesterday on uh, President's Day. So we start this week, obviously, on this Tuesday, and uh, it is the 18th morning of the second month of the year of our Lord, 2020. You know, I like to start every show and every hour with that reminder. So uh, coming up in about an hour, we're going to talk to Peter Kersenow, as we do each and every Tuesday. Pete's been putting in OT. He joined me as I hosted the Larry Elder Show last Wednesday. Then he did this show on Friday because he was busy last Tuesday. So now he's right back on schedule on his Tuesday visit. He wants to talk about Mike Bloomberg and about Bernie Sanders which was really a, uh, um, a fortunate for me uh, and coincidental because that is exactly what I want to talk about today. You know, we spend a lot of time on this program talking about Donald Trump and talking about the wonderful successes that his presidency has been responsible for. 
Uh, we talk a lot about the jobless numbers. We talk a lot about the uh, cut in food stamp recipients. We talk about the wages growing. We talk about the rebuilt military. We talk about our reworked trade deals, which will benefit us all short and long term. We talk about the stock market so that our investments, whether they're if you play the stocks because you're well off or you're just talking about your long-term retirement needs, your 401ks are booming now because of President Trump's policies, deregulation, lower taxation. I could do this for days, sit here and talk about the way things were compared to the way things are under Donald Trump, but I don't want to do that today. Today, I want to focus on the other side, and I want to spend the entirety of the program on two people. That's not to say that there aren't significant and serious problems that I have with Pete Buttigieg. I do. It's not to say that there aren't significant problems that I have with Elizabeth Warren. There are. Amy Klobuchar, uh, Tom Steyer is largely irrelevant. We can go through those other people, but right now this is about Bernie, and it's about Bloomberg, the killer bees. And that's how I'm going to refer to them from this point forward. If Buttigieg continues to do well, which I don't think he will in Nevada, I don't think he will in South Carolina, but if Buttigieg proves to be a major thorn in the side of some of his fellow Democrats, I'll add him to the killer bees. But quite literally... Bernie and Bloomberg are the killer bees. Yeah, it's cute. Their names start with B. But uh, I mean this literally. There is death awaiting so many people if we are to follow the radical socialist uh, policies put forth by Bernie Sanders and not put forth quite as directly, but still believe, particularly because of his policies regarding the Second Amendment. It's going to leave American citizens... Uh, helpless, helpless targets and victims of those who don't follow the law and use firearms to commit crimes. There will be deaths upon deaths upon deaths if either Bernie Sanders or Mike Bloomberg is establishing policy in the West Wing. So I'm going to call them the killer bees with good reason. Now, the reason I'm focusing on them today and that Pete Kirsten and I will, and I will talk uh, focus on them at about 10.10, and I should put this out, too. Let me throw this to you. Coming up in a half an hour, um, I'm going to replay. I don't normally replay interviews. You know that, uh, unless it's a best of show like yesterday, right? I don't normally do it on live shows. But because of Bernie Sanders' growing popularity within the Democrat Party, because and not necessarily the party brokers, because the, the power brokers in the party, if you will, uh, at the DNC are terrified of Bernie Sanders being the nominee. But the voters... The Democrat voters, because they're stupid, uh, they like Bernie Sanders, and they like the idea of socialism. They have positive thoughts about the idea of communism, shared wealth among everybody, government handing it out, uh, not uh, discouraging uh, personal achievement and incentivizing personal uh, enrichment. Everybody turn your money, no matter how much it is, into the government, and we'll spread it all out equally. The collectivists uh, are, are happy about Bernie Sanders. And it's the fact that Bernie Sanders is so popular right now, I feel like we need to tell everybody, remind everybody what socialism would truly be like in this country. So I'm going to replay an interview I did a few months ago with a gentleman by the name of Daniel Martino. He is a Venezuelan expatriate, and he is a contributor to Young Voices, uh, which is obviously an activist group uh, studying. He also studies economics at Indiana University in uh, uh, 
I guess it's IUPUI, that's what it is, Indiana University, Purdue University in Indianapolis. Anyway, Daniel came on with us to talk about what life was like for him growing up in the socialist hell that is Venezuela. And we're going to replay that interview for you at 9.35 so you can get a first-hand account of, of somebody warning you, don't go down this road. Don't let the popularity of Bernie Sanders grow. It is only going to lead to death and starvation and worse in the United States, just like it did for his uh, former nation of Venezuela. Now, that's just one example, by the way. I'll give you a little programming note. Tomorrow, we're going to talk to an American citizen who grew up, whose family grew up in communist Cuba and suffered terribly under the Castro regime. And I I want you to listen to these people who have first-hand knowledge of what it's like when a country embraces socialism or communism and, and, and essentially puts its people underneath the boot heels of the all-powerful dictatorial leaders. That's what Bernie Sanders is advocating for, and that is what is gaining popularity, particularly among the younger voters in this country, the millennial crowd and the generation behind them, the Gen Zers, the Zoomers, if you will. They just don't have a clue as to what the danger of socialism and communism really is, so we're going to hit that so hard. Anyway, the reason for today and these two gentlemen... Bloomberg and Bernie to be my focus. New uh, uh, Marist poll just came out this morning. And according to this national survey of Democrat candidates, Bernie Sanders is leading by a country mile. 31% of likely Democrat voters would like to see Bernie Sanders get the nomination. Second place, Michael Bloomberg. Just 19, I say just 19% because it is a, a, you know, 12 points away from Bernie Sanders. But, um, the two of them are far and ahead, uh, far and away ahead of, uh, Buttigieg and Warren and Klobuchar and so on and so forth. It's a two man race. It's Bernie and Bloomberg. Bloomberg and Bernie, the killer bees. And the two of them are terrifying, quite frankly, for, um, I think they should be anyway, for moderate, mainstream, and quite frankly, just, capitalist-loving, liberty-loving, constitutional, republic-respecting Americans. And I know I just described most conservatives. Constitutional republic, that's what we live in. And it is in serious jeopardy if Bernie Sanders is to take over this country or if Mike Bloomberg somehow buys his way into this as well. So I've got audio upon audio of the two of these uh, very dangerous people that I'm going to share with you coming up after this time out. We're going to focus on Bloomberg and Bernie, Bernie and Bloomberg this morning. You're, you, need to, you need to learn it. You're going to hate hearing the sound of their sounds of their voices, but you need to learn this and you need to share this with everybody. It's the Bob France Authority back right after this. All right, 21 minutes after 9 as we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Appreciate you being with with us. We've got uh, a couple of big things coming up. In about uh, 15 minutes, we're going to replay an interview I did a couple of months ago with Daniel DiMartino, a Venezuelan expat who wants the American people to know, do not go down the road. 
to uh, to a socialism. Do not do it. He knows what happened in his native country, and he's got a warning for everybody. As Bernie Sanders surges to the front of the Democrat pack with a 31% national uh, uh, um, uh, rating among Democrats, not rating, what I'm trying to say is 31% support for his getting the Democratic nomination. Mike Bloomberg comes in second. Let's talk about these two lunatics for just a moment. I want to start with Bernie, even though um, we're going to spend a lot of time on both, because uh, Kirsten now wants to hit uh, Bloomberg for some of the stuff that he has said. But let's start with Bernie Sanders, because I want you to know, when he tries to come at you with his, no, I'm, I'm a democratic socialist, not a regular socialist, there's something very different about that, he's full of you-know-what. Um, and I want you to understand how much he is, because uh, what he says um, about socialism is is so very dangerous if you understand that socialism is just a very short half step really not even a full step but a half step away from communism and i'll explain that in a moment but this is bernie sanders uh on cbs this morning uh about a week ago talking about the socialism label he always tries to couch with the word democratic he thinks if you put that modifier in front of it that it doesn't mean we're a half step away from communism establishment may not like it that's what the american people want that's why we're going to win senator i'm curious you've got this label stuck to you socialist you've got some from your own party uh the democratic party saying they don't want socialism in south carolina referring to you I know there's a difference between democratic socialism and... No, there isn't, you CBS hack. ...and socialism, but why do you cling and hold on to that label, democratic socialist, when it seems to, to confuse people and give your enemies and critics an opportunity to bash you? Well, let me just tell you something. In my... I, I just, I can't let that go by. I can't let you, let, let the question go by without, without responding to it before Sanders does. This is exactly what Bernie Sanders has tried to build. He has tried to build and brand his version of communism, which is what socialism is, as an Americanized version of it, a much more palatable version of it, to the American press. If he can get the press to say things like this CBS interviewer does, if he can get the press to say, we know there's a difference, but why aren't you running a risk by using the word socialism at all? Because we know it's not really socialism, but it sounds like socialism, and your enemies are going to use that against you. He is building a loyal cadre of followers in the American press press by selling this message that socialism isn't actually socialism and as i keep saying socialism is actually communism i view to a significant degree we are living right now under donald trump in a socialist society the only difference is does the government work for working people or does it work for billionaires donald trump before he became president when he was in real estate he received $800 million in tax breaks and subsidies from the government. Socialism for the rich. The, the fossil fuel industry receives tens of billions of dollars a year in subsidies and tax breaks. But that Senator, is socialism is the label, for it, the rich. But, Senator, is the label confusing people and allowing your critics to hurt you politically? Well, I did win the popular vote in Iowa. I did win the popular vote and win the, uh, the primary in New Hampshire. I think we're going to win in Nevada. I think we're going to win in South Carolina. Working people understand that we have got to finally stand up to the corporate elite and that we have to have a mass political movement of working people and low-income people and young people to do that. So, The hilarious part about that, of course, is as Bernie said, and by the way, Bernie is right on that point. As the question, the uh, interviewer said, uh, well, you know, isn't this hurting you? Well, uh, not really. We won in Iowa. We won in uh, New Hampshire, and uh, we're going to do well here, there, and everywhere. He's right. 31% national poll. 
in the national poll of Democrat voters. 31% say they want him to be the nominee. So no, it isn't hurting him yet. And that's because people aren't listening to what socialism really is and what kind of communism really is. So I want to take you from last week to about uh, a little over 30 years ago, actually, 1986. This is Bernie Sanders, obviously a younger man, speaking at the University of Vermont. This is what this man is to his core. He believed this 34 years ago. He believes this today as a presidential candidate. Listen to Bernie Sanders and his thoughts about the communist takeover of Cuba under the brutal, dictatorial, torturing, murdering Fidel Castro. But I remember for some reason or other, being very excited when, when Fidel Castro made the revolution in Cuba. I was a kid and I remember reading that. And it was just seemed right and appropriate that poor people were rising up against rather ugly rich people. And I remember, again, very distinctly, a very distinct feeling. I just want to stop right there. I just Did you hear that? I remember being very excited by the communist takeover of Cuba because it meant poor people rising up against the rich people. First of all, the hypocrisy of this dangerous, dangerous socialist it should be is is breathtaking. It was then and it is now. You notice how he has changed his vernacular from being opposed to millionaires to billionaires. Now on the on the campaign trail, it's always about uh, demonizing billionaires, and the reason why is because he himself is a hundred millionaire. He has got three luxurious homes. He is a complete hypocrite, private jet, and everything else. He is one of the richest elites uh, in all of politics. And so he can't say millionaires or hundreds of millionaires. He has to change it to billionaires. They're the bad guys. But people like him, and well, they're okay. But this is who he is to his core. He praised Fidel Castro's revolution, communist Cuba, because it's poor people rising up uh, up against ugly rich people. And then he talks about his sick feeling watching JFK, John F. Kennedy, speak out against communism in I Cuba. I was watching the debates. You remember the famous Nixon-Kennedy uh, debates? That was the first time the presidential cam- candidates actually debated. And I was becoming increasingly interested in politics. Didn't know much, but was interested. I remember sitting in the student lounge at our dormitory watching the debate. And at that time, well, we can talk about Cuba now, I was very excited and impressed by the, the Cuban Revolution. And there was Kennedy and Nixon talking about which particular method they should use about uh, destroying the revolution. And I remember the irony as we, we learned the history later on. Kennedy was saying that Nixon was too soft on communism. Let me pick up a point that Rick was making. In Cuba, we should deal firmly with Fidel Castro. And Nixon was playing the role of, hey, you've got to be patient. You know, you can't do these things. You've got to negotiate. But of course, what he was upset about is that secretly they were planning the Bay of Pigs invasion right then. All right, so I want to pause that there because I've got to get to the bottom of the hour news, and I want to follow on this in a moment with another interview. But but understand, Bernie Sanders that you see today, the Bernie Sanders that you see on the campaign campaign trail today, touting and 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 bragging about democratic socialism. Understand that it is no different than regular socialism. And if you listen to Bernie throughout the history of his political career and his public career, again, that was a lecture at the University of Vermont, 1986, understand that in his mind, what's glorious, what's beautiful, which is right, is full-on communism. He was, quote, excited watching the communist Castro-Cuban revolution. He was excited about that. He, he, You don't change your political stripes. And obviously, what you do change is your vernacular. 
He can't run for president saying, I believe in communism. So he runs for president and, of course, ran for the Senate in Vermont saying, I believe in democratic socialism. It is simply a label change, but his beliefs are to his core. And he, my friends, is right now the front runner with a 31% number in terms of uh, uh, Democratic voters, likely Democrat voters who they want to win the nominee. A full-on, lifelong communist is at the head of one of the two major parties in the United States. If that doesn't terrify you, you're not listening closely enough. Back after this play. Daniel, go ahead. Venezuela was the home of my next guest. Daniel DiMartino is a Venezuelan expatriate and a Young Voices contributor. He studies economics at Indiana University, Purdue uh, University, Indianapolis, and he wrote an op-ed for USA Today that got a lot of people talking. First-hand knowledge of what socialism does to a previously successful country. Uh, Daniel DiMartino, thank you so much for joining us here in Cleveland on AM 1420, The Answer. How are you? Hi, Bob. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. I read with great interest your uh, op-ed in USA Today. And before we start talking about the nuts and bolts of it, and I'm going to ask you to tell the story in a shorter version of what your family endured, especially when Hugo Chavez and following him Maduro um, uh, brought the socialist hammer down on the people of Venezuela. Let me ask you this. How has your uh, editorial been received um, where you are? Well, I would say that overwhelmingly positive. Uh, you know, Venezuelans overwhelmingly agree that what the Democrats are saying, or at least the most radical wing of the Democratic Party, those, um, you know, like Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, AOC, Ilhan Omar, mm-hmm. they're pushing ideas that are not America's, you know. They are pushing ideas that <laughs> were implemented in the Soviet Union. These are not, this is not even liberalism like we've known it until before President Barack Obama. This is a new kind of leftism that is going to destroy America if it ever gets implemented. Um, so I, I've had a lot of positive reviews. There's always the crazies who say, you know, Venezuela was not real socialism. This is never going to happen in America. But that's the same story we heard in Venezuela back in the 90s, and it happened. Well, that's exactly why I asked the question, because I knew you were going to get pushback. I'm glad to hear, by the way, that it's been overwhelmingly positive. But the pushback you have gotten is there, and it is that message saying that, oh, while Venezuela is such a bad example, people who are using Venezuela as the uh, as the analogy here are doing it wrong because of A, B, C, D, and E. They're trying to say that that will never happen here. You lived there. Your family lived there. And I want you to tell, tell us in a bit of a shorter version uh, than your op-ed exactly what happened to your once successful family with parents who were making thousands of dollars a month and thriving when uh, when the socialist uh, uh, hammer that Hugo Chavez brought in uh, to nationalize everything in the country was was uh, enforced. Yes, look what happened. Hugo Chavez was elected in 1998 with the promise of making everybody equal, of reducing you know inequality, giving things for free to the poor, from health care to education to gasoline to electricity, water, absolutely everything you can think of, housing, everything. And in the earlier years, he started doing exactly that. He nationalized many things, including housing construction. So he started something he called the Gran Mission Vivienda, which means like great housing mission. And the government built hundreds of thousands of apartments, which over time, many of them actually just fell apart and people died in the, because that's what happens when the government builds buildings like that. And the government spent so much money 
that it basically went broke. So they started printing money or purchasing power went down. Uh, they could not raise taxes enough to pay for all those programs, no matter how much they tax the rich. So they started taking away their property. They took away land. They took away people's homes. They took away their businesses, our business. You know, we had a gas station. They took away uh, our gas station, so we couldn't sell it any anymore. We still managed it, but we couldn't sell it. And that's still the, situ- the situation today. We can't sell it. Um, and, you know, we went from making thousands of dollars a month to just pennies per day, right? We made, uh, the year we left in, at least I left in 2016, we're making $2 a day. We would have made even less if we have stayed. Uh, and that's, that's what happens under socialism, you know? And that's what would happen if AOC, if Bernie Sanders get their way. Give me a little bit more on that. We're talking to Daniel DiMartino. He is a Venezuelan expatriate living in the United States now. He is studying uh, economics at a uh, university in Indiana. You wrote this, the excuses for these shortages, uh, talking about shortages of water and electricity and power outages and so on and so forth, uh, were hollow. You wrote, in reality, Venezuela has the largest proven oil reserves in the world to use for electricity, three times more freshwater resources per person than the United States. The real reason your family went without water and electricity was the socialist economy instituted by Chavez and Maduro. How is that explained to the people, or do they not have to explain to the people of Venezuela how it is that those vast resources are being uh, being wasted and not uh, providing for the people? Well, this is the funny part, right? Once they implement their socialist system and it doesn't work, they blame you or they blame me, right? They blame people who are against the system. They say that it is sabotage, that it is, you know, the businessmen who are raising prices, or the worst of all the excuses, it's Aniwana who ate the cable and the half of the country went without electricity because of Aniwana, of course, right? <clears throat> so... That's that's the problem. Every time they get into power and their system doesn't work, they just want more power and more government control, and it's nev- a never-ending slippery slope. Um, Daniel, in your the third section of your op-ed, which I found very interesting, I want to drill down deeper on this. What similarities do you say? You mentioned the names of Sanders and Warren and AOC and others and, and Ilan Omar, and you even uh, talk about Omar. Yeah. Uh, and others in your in your article, what similarities do you see? Because they're telling us, no, 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 no. What we want to do is quote democratic socialism. That's different than regular socialism. That's different than Venezuelan socialism. Uh, is there a difference? Uh, and explain what you meant by that part of your essay. Yeah, the only difference between democratic and non-democratic socialism is how they start into power. Right? Hugo Chavez was elected in 1998 democratically initially. Uh, it just stops being democratic over time. But whether it's democratic or not, the result is the same. It's socialism. And socialism is government control over the means of production. And you see Elizabeth Warren advocating this when she wants a wealth tax, where she's going to take money out of your bank account and she's going to take away people's businesses. They're going to have to sell it to pay for the tax uh, every year. This is not an income tax. This is taking away from what you own every year over and over. This, you see it in Bernie Sanders' proposals when he when he wants to not only give free healthcare but free housing, free, uh, jobs to everybody in the government. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna be talking about a government expansion never seen in the history of any country. Only in Cuba and Venezuela and perhaps the Soviet Union, where the government is gonna hire millions and millions of people to do nothing. Yeah, because so uh, because they're promised a, a job. Yeah, 
Anybody who wants a job will have a job, even if there is nothing to do. That is exactly right. To go further on health care, though. Uh, free health care. You know, every Democrat on the debate stage, when this whole thing began, there were around 20-something of them, uh, raised their hand when asked, will your Medicare for All plan include coverage for illegal aliens living in the United States? And this isn't about the illegal aliens, but it's the point that every human being in the, in, in the country would be covered by Medicare for All or universal free health care paid for by the tax dollars of the workers. Um, you've seen that firsthand. Tell us what that would do to health care in the U.S. Look, in the best case scenario, where the United States just goes into a system like the Europeans, right now I'm talking to you from Italy, where I'm, I'm spending the holiday to see some family members, mm-hmm. and my parents moved to Spain. You have to, to wait over a year to see any specialized uh, doctor in Spain or in Italy. Over a year. Go to the ophthalmologist. My cousin had to wait a year and two months. For my grandmother, who had to get her leg checked by a specialized doctor, the social security uh, system in Spain, that's, that's how it's called, the, the healthcare there, mm-hmm. uh, she had to wait over a year. She's still waiting, actually. She's going to get it checked later this month. Um, so that's, that's the trade-off, right? Whether you want a system that is cheaper in their eyes but then Russians care, or you want a system that is extremely expensive and it's going to bankrupt the country and doesn't ration uh, anything. And that's what's, that's what's happening uh, with the, their Medicare proposals, right? Medicare for all will cost so much money because they're not rationing enough. So it, it's, it's a whole problem. That's the problem, and that's why the government shouldn't control health care. Right, and because eventually know, it would lead to That can happen. Eventually, it would lead to that rationing that you're talking about, especially when they're going to be covering everybody who's here, including people who are not paying into it. Uh, you know, illegal aliens and others who are not uh, part of the uh, you know part of the uh, funding of of the Medicare for All program. Now, you also pointed out uh, that the proposals being offered by American Democratic candidates for president mirroring some of the uh, policies that were that that wrecked the the nation of Venezuela, and that the the budget deficit, the national debt, which is already uh, record high will continue to skyrocket. And as you point out, one of the socialists, Alexandria uh, Ocasio-Cortez, who supports uh, Bernie Sanders, said, well, we just need to print more money. Asking the Federal Reserve to print more money. How did that work in Venezuela? Not just her, Bob. Not just her. The main economic advisor of Bernie Sanders is an economist called Stephanie Kelton. She supports something called modern monetary theory, which Mm -hmm. is a nice name for printing money to pay for government spending which is hyperinflation, something the U.S. hasn't done and should never do. It is something only underdeveloped, terrible economies do. Um, not just them, you know, one of the speechwriters for Sanders, um, David Sirota, wrote an op-ed in 2013 saying that Venezuela was an economic miracle. In 2013, I couldn't buy things on the street because there were shortages. I had blackouts every week. It's no economic miracle. And if that's what... The people who work for Democratic presidential candidates think, imagine what they would do were they to get in power. No, oh, it's 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 terrifying to think about, and and I know that's why this is so important to you that you wrote about it uh, for USA Today. And and I'm going to give you one chance to respond as you did at the end of your column to those who say anybody who points to Venezuela as the model and anybody who says Venezuela can happen here is being intellectually dishonest. And you cited Paul Krugman as being one of one of those who said that. What what do you say to those people now? I think they're uncomfortable because. Using the example of their measures, all of their measures getting implemented, it's a disaster. 
and they don't want to face the reality. And Venezuela is the reality. It's not Europe. If it was Europe, they would be proposing lower corporate tax rates like many European countries have, right? Well, they don't want that. They want full socialism. They don't even, they, they don't even want Nordic socialism. They want full Soviet-style Venezuelan socialism. And that's what worries me. And I don't think all Democrats think that way. I don't even think a majority of Democratic primary voters think that way, which is why I think they need to push out this radical from their party. I, uh, what I would love to see is to, to, to make it mandatory that every candidate for president uh, that is thinking about socialism as a model has to spend a week in Venezuela. What do you think? Send them down to Caracas and let them see they see firsthand what the, what the people of Venezuela are going through, especially those who have no water for weeks on end, as you described your family dealing with, no electricity for periods of time, rationed food, rationed health care. I think they should have to experience it firsthand. What do you think? I think that it would be great. Uh, we, I mean, they could go to where I live. They could go to where many of my friends currently live, and they wouldn't last a week. <laughs> they wouldn't last a week. I, I'm going to tell you that. Uh, my uncle, uh, one of my uncles in Italy, he told me about uh, his father. His father is already dead, but he worked in trains when it was, you know, the Cold War. The Soviet Union was still there on the Berlin Wall. So he went by train. To the Soviet Union many times because that was part of that was part of his, his job for some chemical company, and his father was a communist. He, he thought that you know the Soviet Union was good, all these equality things. He took them one time to the Soviet Union. That was all it took for him to stop being a communist forever, and that's what perhaps we need to do in the United States. I think you may be right. Uh, Daniel DiMartino, again, uh, a student at uh, in, in Indiana, Indiana University. Uh, what is it? It's IUPUI, right? That's the uh, abbreviation, right? IUPUI. That's right. Yeah, uh, and uh, is a Venezuelan expat. Uh, Daniel, thank you for sounding the alarm. We may call on you again as we get closer to the uh, election in November. To uh, we can cut that there. Um, that, that was an interview that I did, as I said, a couple of months ago with Daniel DiMartino, and we will call on him again. Now that Bernie is rising higher and higher in the polls. Bernie Sanders, who believes in everything that you just heard Daniel DiMartino warn you about, is rising. 31% in the Maris poll, which was released today. 31% of Democrat voters want him to win the nomination. 19% for Bloomberg in second place, which is also terrifying in its own right. But this is crazy town right now with socialism taking root here in the United States among Democrat voters. I hope you learned something from that. Let's talk about it together after this. It's 9.55 as we continue. I've got less than five minutes, uh, and I've got four calls I want to take before the top of the hour, so I'm going to give one minute to each caller here. Please keep that in mind as I bring you up as we go to Westlake. Vince, you want to talk about Bernie Sanders? Go right ahead. Bob, how you doing? Good, Vince. Thank you for taking the call. And number two, thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for sounding the alarm. Thank you for trying to make people aware of what's happening in our country. More importantly, what's happening in our colleges and even in our high schools. My son goes to a Catholic college. He was at a Catholic high school. They're teaching a lot of this stuff in those facilities. Not all of it, but a lot of the same type of uh, mantra that you're talking about with the rise of... uh, Socialism. Yeah. Um, I remember that famous quote by Winston Churchill, and 
George Samiana before him. Those that not remember history are condemned to repeat it. And I fear that's where we're going down the road right now, brother. Thank well, you there's no question about it. Thank you, Vince, for the call. I appreciate you making it short. Yeah, you're 100% right. That's Look, these kids aren't getting these ideas. These young voters today uh, and the millennials who have graduated of uh, college or high school over the course of the last 10, 15 years, they're not getting these ideas by themselves. They are having them implanted uh, in their brains that this is good for all uh, and that uh, achievement and success are to be demonized, uh, and it is clearly being taught to them. T.J. in Cleveland. Go ahead, T.J. Yeah, you know, Bob, listening to you know this young Bernie Sanders, it made me think of another young man back then who loved Russia, loved Cuba, hated Kennedy. His name was Lee Harvey Oswald. And to call Bernie Sanders a social Democrat is like calling Lee Harvey Oswald a social Democrat. The both of them were just stone-red communists. They are. that. You know what, TJ? You're 100% right. Thank you for the call, my friend. I appreciate it again. Everybody being very brief there, as I asked. That's awesome. 100% right. I'm not saying that Bernie Sanders would try something like what uh, Lee Harvey Oswald did, obviously. That's not the comparison. The comparison is this is full-on communism. They are labeling it as best they can, putting a prettier bow on it, calling Democratic Socialist um, Socialist. Guess what? They call it Socialist in Venezuela as well. And look at and listen to what Daniel DiMartino just described. And you haven't heard anything yet. Tomorrow, again, I've got another guest on who uh, um, is going to tell us what it's like in another socialist-slash-communist country, and that is Cuba. Uh, and it's the stories that this person is going to have to tell are going to blow your mind. And you will have to understand that is what we are in danger of with Bernie Sanders continue, continuing to grow in popularity. James, calling us from Lorain County. Hi, James, go ahead. Hi, Bob. Thanks for uh, having your guest on, another great guest, and uh, also help. Uh, bringing Peter Kirsten on Friday to help me understand better socialism. And You'll learn more from him sex. in about 10 minutes, by the way, James. Yeah, if you like right. that, he's coming back on. Peter's on at 1010. I so do. You know. Go ahead. I had one other thing to say. I wanted to ask, you know, your last caller said about how young people were learning yeah. about socialism. <clears throat> well, a little story. My, uh, Quick, quickly, James, I don't have time over. for a story. James, I don't have yeah. time for a story. i got to get another caller on. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, okay. On Minecraft, I don't know. He was watching Minecraft. I saw a Bloomberg commercial on Minecraft. Oh my gosh, like, he's got enough money to put him everywhere. Do... Yeah, yeah. Stream. Thanks oh, for the call, God. James. He's got he's got commercials on streaming services. He's got them on video games. He's got them on anything and everything you watch. The internet. He has. Look, he makes Donald Trump look like a pauper. He is worth $60 billion. Donald Trump uh, was bragging when he ran that he was worth $10 billion. Some said only $4 billion. To us, that's like, what, are you kidding me? That's crazy. But to compare to Bloomberg, Donald Trump is poor. Bloomberg has enough money. He will spend a billion of his $60 billion uh, to, to win the presidency. He will buy every space he can get, including on those games that you're talking about. Uh, Kenny in LaGrange Township. Kenny, go right ahead. Hey, Bob, I have no doubt that Bernie Sanders would love to be the president of the United States. But even if he does not win, he will still have accomplished his communist goal to indoctrinate millions of millions of American people. Thank you. Kenny, thank you. You know what? It, that's exactly right. I use the word indoctrination when I talk about the college campuses, and I talk about sometimes in public schools, the NEO, the far-left, almost communist-level NEO, the National Educators Association, uh, we talk about them indoctrinating our youth, but you're right. Bernie Sanders, even if he doesn't win, will have scored major points toward his greater goal, which is indeed turning more Americans toward communism as a favorable um, uh, economic model. 
That is very true. That is, if he doesn't win, he will still have achieved a lot of his goals. He will have indoctrinated people much more so maybe than maybe even uh, some of those campuses, college campuses and teachers have. Thank you. Great job. All four of you. I got four quick phone calls in in about four and a half minutes. That was awesome. We'll get a time out here for news. Kersenow talks Bloomberg and Bernie, the killer bees, next on...